personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology and Magic of the Spheres podcast, and we have a full moon in Aquarius coming up in a few days. Essentially, the theater of our life, Leo, is sharpening and illuminating and revealing itself into insight, Aquarius. That may be happening whether or not you're intending it to, and it's also something that we can lean into and give some intention. So to start us out here, um, before I get into it, please like this video. At some point, leave a comment and let me know your takeaways. I love to hear from you, and do subscribe to my channel as well. So to start us off, the Leo archetype relates to the cosmological power of centration. So that exact language comes from Brian Swim, a mathematical cosmologist that I studied with. Not that I studied math, um, but I was in the philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness program at CIIS, where he was faculty. Um, But this Cosmological force of centration is the way that planets revolve around the sun in our solar system, that protons and electrons revolve around uh, the nucleus of an atom. And similarly for you, all the appearances of your life, everything that comes into view and leaves view, you are the center of that. You are the center of the theater that is gravitating around you. And there's many, many layers that we can take this out to um, in terms of what it means that we are at the center of our own experience. Um, I will also say that you know each individual person or everything in the universe is the center of the universe. And so just because there's many centers doesn't negate that they're all centers. So to be the center of reality here, and this is a really, this is an important Leo season thing, right? Like it's, main character energy, it is being the star of the show, it is being the center of attention. And of course, that can express at the personality level of being um, vivaciously expressive and drawing attention, you know, with your expression. But it also is more um, like our consciousness, right, and our internal landscape and the way that everything that's happening around us is reflecting something internally Um, not that we've created everything around us because we certainly haven't unless you boil it back all the way down to being one with god and then yes you did create all of this but you know there's other things happening but the way that it touches you or triggers you or activates you or excites you like those are all very personal reflections um, based on your own filter But this premise that you're the center of your reality is um, for some reason offensive to people, right? It brings up these red flags around like a kind of spiritual narcissism or that we need to take blame 
for the things around us that we don't like um, or that are out of our control. Leo also relates to children and the inner child. And this may be familiar in terms of when things are happening, say, in a child's family life, like parents getting a divorce or something like that. The, the way that kids have a tendency to interpret events as somehow they did it or it's their fault. So when we are unwilling, like we have a shame response to things happening in our external life that are reflecting us, right? Not things that are, say, like very broad, um, broad social and cultural themes reflect us to the extent that as souls we chose to incarnate in this time and space, right? But beyond that, um, when it comes to receiving things in our environment as a reflection of who we are, the, the shame like unwillingness to look at that material is kind of is coming from that spot of like there's something about me that I I don't want to look at or feel here whereas um from like an adventure like inquiry experimental like I I want to understand the truth of my life in the universe perspective we might be quite curious about well how actually is some inner like repressed or shadow part of me mirrored by these experiences like these experiences that are activating me that are bringing out a a response in me what is it exactly talking to in me beyond what I immediately think it's talking to in me so when I think about these resistances to the you know it's again it's not being the omnipotent soul creator of everything around you that's where um people might get far out or they're they're in a space you know they're in a kind of um distortion or delusion right because we're in this like this social matrix this is all very aquarius by the way to the polarity to leo which is where the full moon is going to be is about that um systems perspective or a star among stars or there's a network there's lots of different centers um creating the reality at the same time but When we take it back to Leo, our experience, our story, our life that we are living out, then, you know, these layers around, oh, like, I don't want to take in the perspective that I'm the center of my experience, experiencing itself, like, those to me feel like thorns around a rose or like the protective uh, mechanisms around the heart, because deepening into the place of being really centered in ourselves and our own experience is about going into our own heart Um, and it's a spiritual quest right if we're going to take it really far out to this game of leo leo is about all sorts of fun and games but the biggest game of being incarnate and navigating the reality matrix around us and finding our agency inside of it Right, finding our true power and agency inside of it. So full moons bring illuminations and reveals. Right, things come to a head. It's a peak emotional experience. Full moons are always the sun and moon in opposite signs. So it's Leo season and we have a full moon in Aquarius, August 1st in the morning Pacific time. So what we're building up to, up to then, Um, could be like the personal of Leo, our personal theater, coming into a more panoramic or more objective 
perspective. Aquarius relates to genius and witness consciousness, the ability to see or understand more of this life, of ourselves, as we take our own personal biases out of the equation. Which ultimately, because we're human, we're not completely removing all of our biases. We have a bias, we have an identity, we have a soul, we have like a uniqueness but there's definitely layers and layers of biases that can be removed and allow us to see things as they closer to what they actually are, right? And there's layers, there's levels of that. Aquarius often allies with systems of thought to see things through particular matrices, right? So systems like patterns within astrology or inner child psychology, which is super on my mind with Leo season, Um, or Ayurveda, any system, any way of understanding phenomena or the world, these things open windows into analyzing and mapping the phenomena that are arising with these mapping points that are beyond our own personal story. This is one, you know, thing that I love about practicing astrology in my day-to-day life is that I'm pretty much always aware of the transits and I see them playing out and it's really constantly psychedelic. Um, I just, I'll be talking about Barbie like later in this video, I just went to see it. And when I go to the theater um, and see, you know, the movies that are out, that are coming out now, that are like part of the collective consciousness, it is pretty much always a profound spiritual experience to me. Like I'm I'm really easy to impress at the movie theater. I have like this huge like wow experience because I can feel the transits and I can feel the synchronicities and I can feel the the jellyfish of the collective psyche like coming through the movie and it blows me away. Um, a movie has to be like really bad for for me to not have that experience. It can be, it can still be a bad film and I might still have a magical experience, you know? So that's kind of like, I think what Aquarius and like having systems that if they align well with the heart, right, the Leo side of things, because those kind of connections are, you know, bring this excitability to me. You definitely can ally with systems of thought that deaden or dull your perspective or like don't touch your heart. So we want to, you know, maybe we'll be seeing some of that as well of just like okay what are these systems how of thought that i have what are these mental paradigms that i'm running my reality through and is it like serving the opening of my heart and my connection to life or no i don't know if it would be that black and white though really sometimes um so the reality that's happening around us is not really a simple mirror reflection of who we are right? Bad things happening doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? It's a very like simple example. Um, It's more of like a, a shadow mirror, like the reality around us is also contacting, I mean, it's contacting our conscious parts too. You might be really familiar with the ways that people tend to respond to you out in the world and you know why you're like because I'm this way or because I hold myself this way these are the reactions I get like I know what's going on versus like the things that are happening that you're like where is that coming from or like the repeating patterns in our lives where like how am I like part of this how can I change the story or flip the script 
that's why a lot of us come to astrology at a deeper level too, is to work the knots of our um, deepest patterns. But the reality around us contacts our latent, unintegrated, repressed, or shadow aspects as much as it reflects things we already directly know about ourselves at like a above water conscious level. So this part of how life is always reflecting all of us really adds drama and mystery to the game of life. So whether at the moment a system of thought or analysis or something really mind-blowing or revelatory that you heard or encountered recently is helping you to digest your experiences more um, or you're having like a flash of insight from your attention on the events that are arising in your life in your inner and outer world um, the full moon in aquarius suggests that expanded awareness is coming into view right like do you ever just hear yourself think and stop for a moment and be like whoa, what was that? Or that's interesting. You know, like Aquarius really brings in that kind of like, it's self-reflective where you are living the experience, you're in the drama, and you also are like, hmm, interesting thing I'm doing over there. Like interesting thing my human is doing over there. Um, and those might be the spots where, you know, we're having these like mini or, or massive light bulb moments. But I want to talk about the, um, the square to Jupiter in Taurus. So Jupiter in Taurus is squaring the axis of the full moon, the sun in Leo and moon in Aquarius. And what this could mean about coming back into simplicity. So one thing I've been reflecting on lately is the grand Leo-like measures that we will take to build out things in our reality, in our external reality, to avoid feeling something that we do not know how to feel or hold. So the way that our creations are informed by pain avoidance. And not that we wouldn't end up still being creative if we address the pain first, but the fixed signs, which if you've followed me for a while, you know I love geeking out on the fixed signs, uh, Leo, Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius. But they each kind of have a part in this where Pain avoidance versus like leaning into the, the sharpness of pain is Scorpio. It's those emotional depths. And we are very hardwired to um, avoid pain. So we split off Aquarius. Aquarius is that kind of, um, it is, Aquarius has this quality of like freeing us from the bounds of something, like freedom from the, the known reality, um, but it can also be those moments of shock or trauma or dissociation where we leave the body. The body, Taurus, right? Taurus brings us back to sensation. And then Leo is like our expression and our relationship with play and fun and that kind of, that type of vitality. So the four of those signs really work together in terms of how they're healthy or having trouble and how that re reflects or ripples out across um, but one way that I'm thinking of here specifically is like when you feel pain and the particular way that you deal with the pain is to become great, right? Like, well, I'll just become epic. Like, I'll make the biggest castle, you know, <laughs> like this Leo thing. And it's really, um, there's a, 
a type of innocence to it. There's like an inner child-like behavior um, in terms of, you know, having trouble being with the pain of the thing, the grief and whatnot, and then this kind of compensation of like, well, I'll just be king of the castle then, you know, like I'll just create this thing. And the way that, you know, our creations, our Leo can come from the most like dropped in, present, sensate, like vulnerable, juicy, like chamber of the heart, or it can be this kind of like, um, compensatory like acting out from a place of feeling hurt and really like no judgment here inside of that because I think um, personally like I've seen this I do this you know I've seen this in myself there's been different times in my life where I've dealt with disappointment or heartbreak with like well, I'm just going to do something really epic to like get on my feet and like get to a higher place. And I'm proud of a lot of the things that I've done in that, right? But also it gets to a point where um, you don't want to maintain the wound castle anymore, where the kind of hardened, like, I'm so great, like this is my this is my success, this is like my, my thing that I'm showing off, like if you can't feel it, it, and you're using all this energy on life force to maintain it and you're terrified there's like a quivering thing underneath, then it's not really that fun anymore. And like um, there comes a time where the opportunity or the maturity opens to just go and feel those parts that coped by, you know, donning themselves in all these peacock feather, feathers, like over that, over that thing that hurt. So I saw this in the Barbie film. Um, I, there's a lot of different threads. I, I know everyone's talking about it or people are like, I don't think it's that great or I think it's genius. I don't know exactly, like I wouldn't claim to know what the film was exactly trying to say in terms of the exact like ideological um, visions that it was like seeking to promote. I felt the film had this quality to it of like it could mean a lot of different things for anyone. Like it, it had the enough space to project upon it. And I think that's actually probably when things get talked about this much and everyone has an opinion and there's like a thousand different opinions. It's like there's something, there is a, a lot of fractals, you know, that you could pull out here. But one thing that I really felt present to in the film was the way that, um, and so spoilers if you haven't seen it, nothing that terrible. Um, I also, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't care about spoilers ever. Like, I don't mind knowing the end. But um, the main Ken, so there's tons of Kens and tons of Barbies, but the main Ken um, creates this elaborate takeover of Barbie world from this space of feeling repeatedly rejected um, by Barbie. And he gets like a little taste of validation or like when he enters the, the real world and experiences this flip of just how he's perceived and treated. 
and it, it goes to his head. He gets really excited about it. And he's also still like pretty resentful and like wounded about this rejection rejection piece. And so he plans and like creates this whole kind of takeover of Barbie world. And once, you know, and he's like wearing this like full on cape that totally reminded me of like um, Liz Green in the Mythic Tarot describes like the, the beast, like the strength card um, as this kind of process of like, you know, slaying the lion, like Hercules slaying the lion and then wearing the lion pelt over him. And now he's like, you know, has this thing that makes him invulnerable or kind of like extra or special, like the the thing that we put on to feel powerful like that. So Ken is literally wearing this kind of fur coat and just like doing this whole thing. Um, I may not be like retelling this so brilliantly, but if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, it's only once his plan is foiled and he's like not successful like at doing this that it's overturned that he goes into this like full tantrum and tears like he just cries and he's really touching the spot of all of this pain that he's feeling. And everything is, of course, like exaggerated in the film. But I thought that it really clearly showed this dynamic of what it looks like when an immature, hurt, inner child part of us takes the rein in creating the world and life around us, right? With something to prove, some way to be really impressive. I have to be spectacular. I have to be invulnerable. And only once, you know, my balloon is popped and I'm deflated, am I really going to cry and like feel the depth of all of this pain, right? So there's a draw to grandiosity and these compensatory behaviors and frills to hide behind. And personally, you know, I sit with like the way that sometimes these things happen out of order, right? That we like do the whole compensatory peacock thing and like get to a place of success and then start to unravel it. Um, a lot of people do that as opposed to starting the beginning from the ground, like being really intimate with our own essence. You know, there's like an engine. There's kind of like the, the pain if we think about it with Scorpio and Scorpio's connection to either Pluto or Mars, like these very kind of willful or intense kind of energies, like just the raw energy that pain gives us to like go do something with, with it, right? If we're going to create something that we feel is spectacular. Um, so I think that these compensatory ways of being can, you know, tend to work for a time for people. It provides an engine even to do difficult things like um, create a really big project or complete a degree program or get really talented or good at your craft. And it's not also to say that those actions of like go, you know, becoming really talented always come from a place of pain. There's usually part of that story because people have pain and it like Leo Scorpio, there is a square there in terms of Leo being talent and Scorpio being our deep psychological spots right? They're connected. Um, people also like obstacles and challenges to, you know, put themselves through these initiations to grow and become like stronger or more expanded versions of themselves. But, you know, I think about how when it is compensatory, 
when it is hiding some kind of pain or it's like an avoidance of pain, on the way up, like on the way to get to where you want to going, want to be going, I don't think anyone really wants to necessarily unravel or dismantle it when they have that energy and they're just moving on that path, right? They have personhood and desirability to earn and bills to pay, like stuff is at stake, right? And it's only a little farther along as that kind of success has maybe stabilized or sustainability issues are cropping up inside of the work effort that people tend to slow down and reassess. That's what I think anyway, and that's what I've felt. Um, I knew when I was like in my early 20s and like studying the you know human consciousness through astrology and understanding things from this archetypal perspective that when people would talk about kind of slow, you know, being slow and just like, you know, going with a process, I was like, what are you? No, like I need to get to like this place, this goal that I'm going to. Um, and even if I knew that I like had a chip on my shoulder, I was like trying to prove something. I was like, I'll worry about that when I'm like at the top later, <laughs> then I'll think about it. And I just think that that's like also kind of part of youth in some sense. Um, and you can fractal that back to like the inner child and you know adult development, like becoming a person in the world and becoming worthy of um, family life and financial life and all of these things that there's a lot of like a lot of stuff at stake. And so maybe there's like a a rush to like want to get there or something. But I think with Jupiter and Taurus uh, as a transit right now and the way that it's squaring the full moon axis. I think there's some tension or opportunity or invitation here around the wisdom of slowing down, right? Taurus being slow and Tor or Jupiter being wisdom, like a really simple Jupiter and Taurus thing is the wisdom of slowing down. Um, but also there may be something around gaining intelligence on what like really basic emotion or drive is behind the dramas that we're creating or perceiving. Sorry, I just put up all these panels to change the sound and one of them just fell off the wall. Um, but yeah, what's going on behind the dramas that we're perceiving, right? The stories of our lives, of our, of our personal dramas can get really elaborate and complex. And as a storyteller myself, I know what it's like to get drunk on the details of a compelling story. As a storyteller though, so Jupiter and Taurus as a storyteller, as the part of us that's making meaning and finding wisdom out of our experience. Jupiter and Taurus wants to boil things down to simple elements. Jupiter and Taurus wants the grounded, felt thing, not something too abstract or pie in the sky or like too extra. And this can feel deflating, but there's medicine in it. And the medicine could be contacting the deeper, simpler thing inside of us that wants witness and attention before it makes a scene, right? So any, anything that's emerging that wants our attention, if we don't listen to it or we have a habit of overriding it, we might have lost some contact with the ability to feel it, right? Like if you've repressed certain things within yourself, there's a process of kind of retraining the trust. 
with those parts of yourself. Um, and so we kind of put them into the subconscious. And then because they're not integrated, because they aren't heard or because they're not listened to, well, they feel rejected and they're going to make a scene and they're going to do the, whole, the thing and get big so that we can see them. And what's interesting about it is that often they make themselves known in a way that is kind of peacocked, like feathered out. And the form it's taking, there's something beneath or behind it behind the theater of how it's showing up. And so that's where I think we're really going to be having these moments of insight during the full moon is like, yeah, you know the drama, you know what's happening right now that's like high sensation or a big deal, but what is it really saying underneath all the frills? You know, what's the deeper, simpler message? So the medicine could be awakening to the deeper, simpler thing that's happening, whether or not we catch it before the scene happens or we catch it mid-scene or after the scene, we don't need to have judgment there about it because, you know, hindsight, 2020, as they say. So it's like we, we get it sometimes. We get the lesson because the thing popped up. But once you know better, once you, you understand the games that your inner world is playing, you might be able to catch those signals sooner. But when our above world consciousness is not fully ready, right? another subconscious part of us makes the scene to get our attention, to get us to wake up to ourselves. So if you don't get here what I'm saying about scenes, I mean that there's external events happening in our lives, in our relationships, um, in, in things that pertain to us, right? Things that we have emotional, that we have feelings about, that those are reflections of material from the soul. And when they're scenes, I mean when they're dramatic, Right, like for me, a lot of my um, deepest kind of initiations into astrology have been because shit hit the fan in my life, and I was like, "How? What's going on here? Or like, why am I like this? Or why? You know?" And I'm like trying to understand the drama that is of the theater of my life right before me. Of like, what's it about? And luckily, you know, with astrology, I find. Especially, I practice soul-level astrology. So maybe I'll take a moment here to just do announcements because I forgot about that, that my books are open for readings um, for August and that I'm also opening the intensive. So I've been teaching this evolutionary astrology intensive since 2017. And it's a four-month program that sparks astrological literacy, right? It's about understanding all the archetypes. So it's such a emotional felt level that they become beings that you can talk to also right so you we do the book learning and like the kind of the academic side of astrology but we also like we connect like it's really a spiritual and magical experience so it's this four-month class and I decided to expand it to a year-long experience called diviner and so I'll be welcoming in new cohorts to do the intensive and then year-round there will be new classes for everyone at whatever level you're at 
some more beginner, some more advanced. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, it felt like time to really expand this experience into a year. I've been teaching like these advanced programs and we've gone so far out that I've had to come back and Jupiter and Taurus style really expand the foundations of my introductory astrology program, which um, students, you know, come to me who are at all levels where they're like pretty astrologically fluent or maybe even give readings to people that haven't read a chart before. Um, and the class is, is accessible. It will meet you where you're at. So um, it's like the teaching style, things are engaging enough and um, stimulating enough to really be interesting to my advanced students. But I also like bring you in if you're a beginner so that you can, um, that you can speak the language and become fluent. So Diviner, this year experience, we're starting up again in October. And you can email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, to get on a call with me and to discuss it. Um, I'm enrolling people through like direct contact with me only. There's no, um, there's no like sign up page. So just contact me and we'll talk about it and talk um, about what's drawing you to come study astrology with me, to be in Diviner. Um, and I can kind of dial it into where you're at um, and just give you specific kind of feedback and just connect with you personally. So send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com for that. Um, but let's see, why I was bringing that up was that studying soul level astrology has been this ongoing guide for me of finding the deeper, like what is the mythic adventure of my soul life in this incarnation? So that when I have these struggles, impasses, patterns, um, desires, like yearnings, like anything that's happening in my life, I have these tools of, through the language of astrology and through the practice to really go deeper with those questions and to find creative pathways for engaging my life so much more wholeheartedly, like really saying yes to the game of this life. Um, and the chart, you know, showing me codes about what I'm doing here. And that's something that I share with my clients and students. Um, so if we bring this back and dial it back to the full moon in Aquarius, basically what I'm saying is like the theater, the Leo, the drama of your life is saying something and is really showing you something. And Aquarius is where we're going to be this full moon, like, what is it? What's the message? What's the light bulb moment? What's the deeper insight of all of this that's happening? So sometimes that might be um, that we make contact with, you know, heightened information that really sparks something for us, like why we come to astrology. It could also just be that your something is ripening for you in terms of information you've already collected, um, insight that you're already working with, and then the theater of your life you have this kind of self-reflective like illumination moment of like really feeling what your experience is touching inside of you. And this can happen like if you have um, flashbacks or memories where it's like you're living one experience in the moment, but it reminds you of a time as a kid that that similar kind of thing happened. 
you can see how your external drama of your reality is pointing you back to something that you know has been trying to talk to you for many years um so what is it what is the what is the theme what's the the message right and the scenes the dramas might be so loud and clear at the moment that it's just the wake-up call that our soul or subconscious ordered i'm sure you've had those moments so in a way these scenes that i'm talking about are perfect and there's nothing wrong with them until it is you know maybe a particular repeating scene we've learned the lesson we know better we've awakened and we no longer need to expend that type of energy to awaken to those particular spots of ourselves then we can gain more choice on how we want to play with that energy that has been freed up where we want to focus or direct it to create right like when we are into astrology a lot of us here like some people are really big into like healing right and like getting to a space of being well from feeling unwell and you know, that's like a problem-solving spot, and that's certainly relevant for parts of the journey where we do have active problems that are taking our energy or are like really a major issue or crisis for us. And so, yeah, we're trying to get better. We're trying to heal. But Leo, you know, archetypally is about having fun. It's about playing. It's about letting our innermost essence radiate out into the world and to be like really thrilled and enthralled in the life that we're living. Right? So it's the medicine of joy and happiness and play. Um, so when our energy that is this theater director is getting wrapped up in these, you know, these side dramas and these side quests, when we awaken to that and kind of reclaim that energy and know how to hold it, then that creative energy can go into things that we value. That could be another Jupiter and Taurus kind of square question here of like, what's worth the energy, right? Like what's really important and valuable to us. Now, as we come to a close here, one last thing that I'll say about this is that the full moon in Aquarius can represent freedom from our own perspective, right? Like freedom from our limiting perspectives, essentially. Um, or maybe the part of us that's too embroiled in the drama and the story of the drama, the details, the specifics, to see the deeper message inside of it, or the deeper energetic inside of it. Aquarius is a social air sign and relates to, you know, contacting others, relates to network, which returns us to more clearly seeing ourselves through these different reflections, right? Some more brilliant than others. And these reflections are beyond our own personal filters, you know, when we um, make contact. These awakenings are group and collective efforts, right? Like we have our soul families too. Like we're not just on these journeys by ourselves. Like we have our um, soulmates and soul contracts and all of that. We have all of these centers of the universe bouncing up against other centers of the universe. And these relationships may be human, such as between your friends, teachers, um, books, and also more than human, such as when we relate to plants and planets. So in summation, what I've been just pointing to throughout this is that the theater of our life is happening and there's a sharpening of insight 
right? And that is maybe the most playful way to put it, um, because if we're if we're not really about the game or we're not like leaning into the fun of that, then sometimes the theater of our life just reflects the trauma and dissociation or the fragmentation that we feel. Um, and that might be more of where we're in that space of kind of in the karmic knots or trying to problem solve. I've definitely been there too of just being like, um, like a loose nerve ending and very unhappy and like I need help, like I really need to understand what's going on and how I can make things better kind of thing. Um, as opposed to when it's like this really expansive, fun kind of game. And it really can get to that place um, when it's not feeling that way and when it's more of like a dark night of the soul type of space. Um, I still think insight really matters. And I've definitely had astrology hold my, like be a lantern through the cave in those times where I was really in rougher spots and didn't see the fun in the adventure of it all. So... um, If you want to get on my books for August and get an astrology reading with me, I'm offering evolutionary fusion readings, which are grounded in my specialty of evolutionary astrology, which resources Pluto and the lunar nodes as a bottom line interpretation for the chart um, in terms of who you are as a soul and what are the main kind of soul dynamics and themes that are playing out for you. But I also add in um, kind of a Hellenistic infusion as I've been studying that the last few years and I add in many asteroids I only talk to you about the ones that are very prominently placed in your chart but I bring in tons of more obscure like Greek myth um, connections and combining all of those things I often just get to triangulate different techniques and see some of the things that are really loud and like really popping off for you in your chart of course these are also dialogues um where you are a participant, your stories or what's going on for you, and my map making skills with it. Like we combine your experience of your life, my astrology, and we like have a philosophical inquiry together. And then, uh, so the link to book with me is in the notes. And then again, if you want to um, be in Diviner, we start this October. Um, it's not too early to talk to me about it. You can email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com with your interest, and we'll start a conversation. So thank you again for watching this. Do leave a comment. I really do love hearing from you, so let me know your takeaways. And then um, like this video, subscribe to my channel, and I'll see you again soon. Bye.